Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. This is a binky. You know how much these little guys cost? Doesn't matter. Worth it. These are a good investment. But have you ever lost one of these? What do you do when your kid loses a binky? You look hard. We'll get back to that. First, influence. We're teaching through the book of the Bible called First Kings. Today we're at chapter 15, and we're also going to look at Second Chronicles 16, which is a parallel passage to this one and gives us even a little bit more information. In this passage, God, he was looking for something hard. Second Chronicles, verse 16 Chapter 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Not a lot of verses in Kings and Chronicles that are famous. This one is. It tells us that this God of ours, that he's looking for something, that he's on a search. He's searching the entire planet. Well, for what? What is he looking for? Well, it tells us, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he might strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God is searching this earth for people. For a certain kind of person. And notice, he's not looking for the most talented or the most gifted or the most skills. And he's not looking for the the ones with the fewest mistakes and the fewest failures and the fewest mess ups. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God is on a search. And he's searching for a certain kind of heart. A heart that is fully and completely committed to him. That brings us to this. Chapter 15, verse 9. In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king of Judah. Around a thousand years before Jesus was born, David was the king of Israel. And the kingdom under under David, it was united, it was prosperous. After David, his son Solomon reigned. But when Solomon died, there, there was conflict, there was division. The northern tribes split from the southern tribes, formed two separate nations. The nation of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, it continued to be led by a descendant of David, Asa. Asa is the great, great grandson of David. So we're now four generations down. Verse 10. He reigned in Jerusalem 41 years. His grandmother's name was Mekah, daughter of Abishalom. 
41 years. Long time. Of all the things that happened during King Asa's 41 year reign, first thing that the Bible tells us about, did you catch it? His grandma. Is it just me or does that seem a little weird? Why? 41 year reign. First thing in his biblical biography, it's his grandma. Well, why? Asa's grandma wasn't your typical grandma. Asa's grandma didn't do things like this. Gmail account? No, I'm looking for an email account. That's a grandma thing. Asa's grandma looked more like this. (laughs) Grandma's not going to get run over by a reindeer this Christmas. That's Asa's grandma. Asa didn't have your typical grandma. She held the official title of queen mother a few years earlier. The queen mother, well, the Bible tells us she made something. Verse 13. She had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Now, we're a couple thousand years removed from this, so we read this and think, well, okay, what's that and why is that so repulsive? Well, I'll get there. Maybe think about it this way. Asa's grandma, he, she made something. She didn't make something like this. A crochet blanket. We say, well, that's something a grandma might make. Nope. Asa's grandma didn't make something like this. Crochet pants. Priceless. No. Asa's grandma made an Asherah pole, which is something I can't even put on the screen. Think about it this way. Phallic symbol. Ooh. Grandma. Naughty grandma. Well, the Bible goes on to tell us what King Esau did about naughty grandma. Verse 13. He even deposed his grandmother Mekah from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Asa, get this, he fired his own grandma. (laughs) Doesn't matter who you are, firing grandma, that's a tough day at the office. (laughs) Well, firing grandma, that's not the only thing that Asa did in his 41-year reign. We also read that Asa, he inherited a kingdom whose culture had taken a turn away from the ways of the Lord. Verse 12, he expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. Asa, this king, he cleansed house, he purged, he reorganized. Imagine all the people who didn't like what he was doing. They all saw very clearly this king, he is serious about following the Lord. Verse 14. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Asa, he was all in. His heart, it was fully devoted. So, We know how this goes, right? His heart was fully devoted. So Asa's life was really nice and easy, right? (laughs) Wrong. 
after a few years of peace, Asa's nation was invaded by a huge army. Verse 9. Zerah, the Cushite, marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and three hundred chariots and came as far as Bersha. Think I maybe pronounced that right? But here's what was going on. Asa, all of a sudden, he had a problem. He loved the Lord. He was following the Lord. His heart was committed to the Lord. But his godliness didn't guarantee an easy path. Following the Lord, it didn't exempt him from difficulty. See, wise people, they invest in their relationship with God during the good seasons so that they have a reservoir of faith that's available to help during the challenging ones. When things get hard, when hard times hit, we don't abandon our faith. When hard times hit, we draw strength from our faith. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do today. Well, Asa, he knew what to do. He rallied his army and he did this. Second Chronicles 14, verse 11. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. This is a great thing about God. Asa knew that. We can know this. God, he wants to help us with our problems. Have you invited him? You know, maybe you, you, you got a problem and you're like, well, I've thought a lot about this problem. I've worried a lot about this problem and I've strategized a lot about this problem. But have you prayed about it? Well, do. One of the great things, I mean, I don't like to have problems in life. I imagine you don't either. But one of the great things about it is when we do face a problem just on a normal day, it can be just kind of an easy standard problem. When we face one of those, what those things can do, they can turn our attention. They can focus our hearts and mind back onto the Lord. When a problem does that, when it turns us and puts our attention back on the Lord, well, that's a win. Well, in this situation, Asa got the outcome he was looking for. Victory. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord... Move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. This is probably the most famous verse in all of Kings and Chronicles. But did you know that that verse is almost always taken out of context? What I read and what you typically here, if you're familiar with this verse, it's not even the full verse. It's just the first half of it. Do you know what comes next? It changes the whole verse. Hear this. Hear it in its entirety. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his 
You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. Well, that changes this verse. We conveniently skip over the, you have acted foolishly in this part of the verse. Here's what's happening. Asa, this good godly king, he messed up. He did something wrong. And speaking of mistakes, have you seen the designer binkies? <laughs> Whole lot of them out there. I mean, take a look. They're like this one. <laughs> kind of cute, but he might not be laughing at that picture 15 years later. <laughs> Here's what we have. Asa. It's been established. He's one of the good kings. There are not a lot of good kings that we're going to see in this book of 1 Kings. Asa was one of them. He initiated reforms. He tore down the idols. He even fired his naughty grandma. But that's not all. The Bible also tells us he made a mistake. Okay, well, what? What did he do? Chapter 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of Asa's reign... Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Well, Basha, he's the king of the neighboring northern tribes of Israel. He began to build a fortress at Ramah. Well, we say, well, okay, so what? What's the big deal? Well, Ramah was a border town. So here's what was happening. This would be like Canada loading up Toronto with all of its infantry and both of its two tanks. <laughs> all right, some of you got that. But here, here's what's going on. It's a threat. It's not a war, but it is a threat. And remember what Asa did the first time he felt threatened? Well, he, he prayed about it, right? The first time he turned to the Lord. This time, same kind of deal, but Asa does something different. He takes a different strategy. Verse 2. Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Asa took money from the temple that belonged to the Lord and he gave it to the king of Aram. That's also the region of Syria. Asa, he didn't raise a sword. Here's what he did. He bought himself an ally. Next verse, verse 3. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. Asa expanded his power by creating a strategic alliance and establishing a treaty with Syria. I read this, maybe you read this, and, and think, hey, that seems wise. That seems like a pretty clever strategy. What happened? Verse 5. When Basha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. You know what that means? That means Asa's plan, Asa's strategy, it worked. It worked. That's what Asa was hoping for. His plan produced the outcome that he wanted. It worked. It worked. He, his idea, it led to positive results. It worked. 
One of the things that I think God is trying to say to us here in 1 Kings chapter 15 is this, this philosophy that says it worked. It's dangerous. It's deceptive. Like Asa, you and I, we live in a world where a common measure is this. Does it work? Does it work? If it works, if it works for you, then it, it must be right. Does it work? If it works for you, then it must be good. Does it work? If it works for you, then it must be justified. Do you know what that is? Do you understand what that philosophy is? Here's what it is. That's a philosophy. That's pragmatism. That's basing our life on pragmatism. On the ends, justifying the means. Is that what God teaches in this book? (laughs) No. No, it's not. Example. I know of a Christian man. He's got an anger control issue. So when something doesn't go his way, his default is to just get angry. And then what happens, the people around him, they just back off. He ends up getting what he wants. Subconsciously, letting his anger fly, subconsciously, it works. But does that mean it's right? No. Example. I know a person who, well, I'd call him kind of lazy. Whenever there's a a group project, they underperform so everyone else has to pick up the slack. Subconsciously, it works. But is it right? I know of a man by the name of Jonah. Didn't want to do what God asked him to do, so he said, I'm just going to avoid it. He, He went on a little sea cruise. And it worked. For a while. I know of some people who didn't like what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was teaching. So they said, we got to find a way to get rid of this guy. And they did. They devised a plan. They carried it out. They had Jesus executed. It worked. For two days. I want you to hear this passage. From Proverbs 14 that speaks to this philosophy of pragmatism. Proverbs 14 verse 12. God says this. There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that appears to be right. That's saying, well, it's working. This plan is working. The way I'm doing this, it's working. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Just because it's working doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's working doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's working now doesn't mean it's going to be working later. This is a highly important passage that conflicts with a lot of the prevalent voices of our culture. I want it to sink in for us, so I'm going to invite you to read it with me. This is the Word of God. Join me. It says this, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. 
as followers of Jesus, we trust that the one who sacrificed his life for us, he's not out to get us. He wants what's best for us. He knows more than we do. He knows, he knows better than we do. The measure, the measure isn't, does it work? For followers of Jesus, the measure shouldn't be, well, does this feel right? For followers of Jesus, the measure shouldn't be, well, are other people encouraging me to do this? Are other people doing things this way? For followers of Jesus, the measure should be this. Does it align with the way of the Lord? That's it. For followers of Jesus, that's our measure. Does it align with the ways of the Lord? Reflection time. How about you? How about your life? Is there anything God is trying to speak into your life in this? Have you made... Any treaties with Syria? Is there anything, any decisions that you're justifying because, well, it just feels right? Are there any choices that you're basing on popular opinion on, well, everybody else is doing it that way? It's not too late to change course. Second Chronicles 16, verse 5, when Basha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and abandoned his work. Here's what was going on with that. Asha's plan, it worked. It worked. Asa's plan worked. They were popping corks and giving fist bumps until verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. And in verse 9, You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on you will surely have wars. Asa's plan looked like it was working. And Asa's plan, man, it sure felt like it was working, but it didn't work for long. The way of the Lord, it's not centered on instant gratification, but rather on long-term satisfaction. He, he can see beyond our present to protect and to bless our future. Asa. King Asa, not a very familiar name to, to most Christians today, but he gets three chapters in the book of Chronicles and he gets one full chapter in the book of Kings. And we say, well, why? What's the point? What's God saying to us? Let me get at it this way. It was three o'clock in the morning. Know what I was doing? Not sleeping. Why? It was because this was several years ago, and I, at the time I had a five-month-old baby that was wailing. And don't feel sorry for her. She, she wasn't hungry, and she wasn't wet, and she, she wasn't scared. She had just 
lost this. So what does a parent do when their kid loses the pinky? Well, you look for it hard. Three in the morning. I'm looking in the crib. I'm looking under the crib. I I was scouring the floor. Do you know where I finally found this? In her hand. (laughs) Yeah, this, the binky, was right there in her hand the whole time. What she wanted, it was right there in her little hand. Do you want to experience? Do you want to know God? He's not far off. He's not hard to find. He is here. And He is very available. This is one of the most prevalent themes that you will find woven throughout the entire Bible. In the beginning, God created and God didn't leave. God walked with them in the garden. That's God saying, I'm here. I'm available. I want to be a part of your life. The descendants of Abraham, they got swept up into slavery in Egypt. But God, he didn't abandon them. He entered in and he rescued them. The book of Exodus, that's God saying, I'm here, I'm available. I want to be a part of your life. Or how about this, when those shepherds were out in the field, the heavens lit up and we get this, Luke 2 verse 10. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Know what that is? That's God saying, I'm here. I'm available. I want to be a part of your life. When Jesus had risen from the dead and he was about to ascend into heaven, he said, hey, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit and the Spirit, he will be with you always to the very end of the age. You know what that is? That's God saying, I am here. I am available. I want to be a part of your life. In this passage, King Asa faces Two crises. Here was the first. Chapter 14, verse 9. Zerah, the Cushite, marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and three hundred chariots and came as far as Mersha. What did Asa do? How did he respond? Verse 11. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. He turned to God. And God answered. That was the first crisis. Here was the second. Chapter 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, 
Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. This time, King Asa didn't turn to God. This time, he's like, I I got this. This time, he relied on his own ingenuity. And I wonder how many of the problems in our lives aren't resolved because, well, we've thought about it and we've planned for it and we strategized for it, but we haven't prayed about it. He's available. And I wonder how many of the worries and the anxiety that churn within us, right, does so because, well, we haven't shared it with him. He's saying, he's saying, I'm available. And I wonder how many promptings of the Spirit, and I'm wondering how many opportunities we've missed because we just haven't listened and relied on him. He's saying, I am here. I am available. Do you want, do you want to know Do you want to experience God? Maybe you have a decision that you're facing and you're thinking, man, God, I could really use your guidance today. Or maybe you you got a challenge, you got a difficulty that you're up against and you're thinking, God, I could really use, I could use your wisdom today. Or maybe, maybe you just, you messed up. Maybe you've made some mistakes, you know, and it, it's, it's eating at you right in here and you're thinking, wow, God, I don't deserve this, but God, what I really need, what I could really, I could really use some of your grace today. Or maybe there's something in your life today that it, it just hurts. You know, you're experiencing some pain. You're thinking, God, I could sure use some comfort. I could sure use your peace. I could sure use your healing here, now, today. God, he's not far off. And he's not hard to find. He is here and he's available the binky this is right in your hand the ball is in your court talk with him share with him open your life to him he is here, and he, he, he is here for you. And he wants you to invite him in to whatever it is that you are facing. So I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to let you do that. Take this moment. Open up. Share with him whatever it is that you are facing today. Invite him in. 
Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.